I don't have it. I can't talk. I can't breathe. I, I'm coughing every five minutes. <clears throat> Dig deep, Spursy. Steve, Steve, can I say something? Yeah. Never, never surrender. <laughs> oh, shit. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? What of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we're doing a double take. A what? A double take, as we dive into our favorite songs with the same names. I'm Larry, this is my brother Daryl, that's my other brother Daryl. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com and as always if you love our show share the links on social media and don't forget to like our page on facebook and follow us on twitter steve joining us today she's trying to work through stage five of her grief over the loss of normal temperatures and accept the fact that it's cold in maine it's jen with one n so sorry for the delay i was having to unclench my frozen teeth Uh. (laughs) i'm here i'm here yes it is cold people it is it's it's like there's a time in maine and now is that time when you're just like yep i'm freezing all the time for six months Mm -hmm. that's it and so i'm i'm getting there i'm getting towards acceptance i appreciate the opportunity (laughs) to be on this program to um to be cold with you guys you you guys in la and florida (laughs) it's like 90 here today Uh i think it's in the high 70s here (sighs) we'll see Sorry, yeah. we all choose to where we live to choose I to live. I made that and... choice. No, it's true. It's true. It's all right. I'll 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 be okay. Actions have consequences. No, you're <laughs> <Yeah>. right. You're right. <laughs> doesn't make it any warmer. <laughs> it does not make it any warmer. Nothing does. <laughs> there are no consequences, by the way, when two bands choose to create songs with the same exact name, except for that it gives us a chance to do a podcast about it. Woo! Gotta love the edge cases. Yeah. <laughs> So for months now, Brad and I have been talking about just songs with the same names. And we've been kind of compiling like a little Google Doc list of them. And we said, you know, this is fun, but we really should probably turn it into something productive, like a podcast, something we haven't done in about the last two weeks. Yeah, you and know, everyone needs a little downtime here and yeah, there. Everybody needs a little time away, like Chicago used to say. Uh, <sighs> you had to do that. Yeah. Sorry. Turns out it's really not that hard to say sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. The, the good jokes are over. It, from now on, it'll just be real uh Oh, yeah, the good jokes are over. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So crank it up to two times listening speed and you'll be just <laughs> fine. So here's what we're doing. It's a new series. We're obviously not going to cover all the songs that have the same titles in one show. We'd be here for ages. So we've chosen six songs. Or with three titles, I guess you could say. I'm still trying to work it all out. 
It's so multiplying. Us, it's timesing. Timesing. It yeah. It gotta Math use is your hard. fingers. Gotta use your fingers. And we will we'll compare the two and then we will also reveal we, we did I did some Twitter poll, a casual Twitter poll to see what our fans thought of those two songs, which one they prefer, and we will reveal the results of those uh today as well. How's that sound? Ooh, Exciting. I like it. That's pretty high tech stuff right there. I know you've somehow built suspense into this show. <laughs> I'm going to get started. Uh, my song today is going to be Never Surrender. There's at least two versions of it from the 80s. Let's start with the one from Corey Hart. Never Surrender by Corey Hart was released in June 1985. It was the first single from his second album, Boy in the Box. Easily his highest charting single in the United States, believe it or not. Went reached number really? three. Yep. That surprises me too. I- I'm shocked by that. Where's it cuts like a knife? <laughs> That's Brian <laughs> Adams. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They just uh, piss off the Canadian listeners, which we've done many, many times. But what about Get fine. Lucky? That was a great album. Oh, God, jeez. <laughs> Tell us more about Never Surrender. Here's what it's about. In 2012, Corey Hart gave an interview where he talked about the inspiration for the song, and it's not really that far out there. I mean, it's not like it's not like a, a Duran Duran song or a Rush song where you can't where you have no godly Completely idea what the song is about. It is pretty, you know, ankle deep as far as uh, you know, deep meaning. But it, that doesn't make it a bad song and it doesn't make it a no. bad uh, story, but what Corey Hart said was, quote, that his mother influenced him on this ethic of never quitting on yourself and or on your dreams no matter how challenging or daunting. And Corey Hart said, I greatly admired Sir Winston Churchill uh, reading mm. many biographies of his life and his expression, never surrender during the uh, dark days of the Nazi attacks, uh, was one of the mo- motivating inspirations for his countrymen. And so it became a, a motivation for this song. So that's, mm. that's lovely. Were you guys big Corey Hart fans in the 80s? I really liked uh, Cuts Like a Knife. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I was not a big Corey Hart fan, but I was a Corey Hart fan. Like, it was hard not to just like him, you know? Sunglasses at Night's a great song. I yeah, really I'm surprised that, that wasn't song. his biggest single, yeah. right? That's the... Yeah. All kidding well, aside, yeah, I am too. I know he doesn't tour very often. When he does tour, I think he mainly sticks to Canada, and sometimes, like, he'll just peek right below the border and maybe hit, like, Detroit or Butte, Montana or something like that. I think Gail from D.C. saw him and really liked his show a lot, I thought, yeah, I yeah. thought right? So yeah. Yeah, she, he gets around from time to time. But anyway, are any of you watching season three of Stranger Things? Oh, that was long yeah. ago. Yeah. Believe I've it or not, the- I've seen that, which tells yeah. you something. So, I've seen the whole series. Yeah. In the episode, Susie, Do You Copy? I guess there's a scene where Mike and Eleven are making out as the song plays. Yes. Correct. Okay. Huh. It seems somewhat interesting to pick this song but i guess whatever i guess mike is trying to turn 
11 onto Corey Hart, but she's not buying it. I, I haven't watched anything beyond season one, so I don't know. Well, oh, the, cast, the third one's so good. It's really good. Cast your mind back, though, when you're, what are they, 15 in this? Six, maybe mm-hmm, They're not driving, about. so it must be 14, 15. Yeah. Any song could be a makeout song. Like, you're not going to be too picky about it. I guess you're right. Just saying. I guess that's why I would make out during another one, Bites the Dust, but that seems inappropriate <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Whatever's on, man. <laughs> yeah. You can work with this. It's got a beat, and you can smooch to it. Uh, ironically, it would be another Canadian artist who would also do a song called Never Surrender. This is Never Surrender by Okay, who here besides me is a Triumph fan? Triumph Automobiles? Triumph the dog guy? (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think I could name three songs, yeah. Really? I don't think so. Never Surrender. Um, Also, the Never Surrender disco remix and the Never Surrender, I don't know. Just two. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Anyway, Never Surrender is from this album of the same name. They were big from, I guess, the late 70s until about the mid-80s. And then I, I, think, I don't think they made it through the 90s. I think they broke up in the early 90s, and they've reunited a couple times since. You probably know their song Magic Power better than this song. Oh, yes. I do know that song. And the disco remix. I don't know that it's fair to call them a poor man's rush. I think, I think Rush fans would be pissed off by that, and Triumph fans would be pissed off by that. And Canadians yeah. in general would just be pissed off about that. <laughs> I think people would chafe at that a little bit, yes. They had this great reputation as a live band. I remember I owned their live album. I owned a lot of their stuff. They, they were one of the transition bands for me for yeah. making it from rock to, to new wave in that time. Huh. So they were to me, they were big. Nobody can take that away from you, Steve. Right. I know we're going to talk later about what um, 80s Nation chose of each of these pairs of songs we're talking about tonight. But when I... Th- saw you were doing never to, the pair of never surrender i listened to both again just to sort of refresh my memory and i thought to myself which of these songs would actually make me never surrender and i gotta give it to Corey hart i mean that's just personally that one that song would make me never surrender and maybe it's the whole winston churchill thing that that really doesn't hurt <laughs> i don't know the triumph song did not make it kind of did you felt like you'd rarely surrender I might surrender if I listen to the Triumph song. But with the, occasionally. I might. I might. Yeah. But uh, Corey Hart, I, I would never. The Triumph song is more of its time. It, it maybe doesn't stand the test of time quite as well as the Corey Hart version. I will concede that. But to me, the one that means more something to me more personally would, would definitely be the Triumph version. Never Surrender has uh, been surrendered. What's next on our list? Who's got the next song? Ooh, ooh, Mr. Kata, Mr. Kata. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> Put me in, coach. Brad, what do you got? Steve, Jen, you're going to guess the name of the second song when I tell you the name of the first song. <laughs> it's Gloria by you 2 Gloria, you 
This is the first track and the second single from U2's 1981 album, October. I'm sure we all remember that well and fondly. It didn't didn't chart in the U.S. It may not have even been released here. Topped out at 55 in the U.K., which was one of their lower charting singles. Made it all the way to number 10 in Ireland for some strange reason. (laughs) And yeah, this one, you know, maybe we're cheating a little bit if we start using words that show up in the Catholic liturgy, but... We got us some Latin in this one. The chorus is Gloria in te domine, Gloria exaltate, which means glory in you, Lord, glory exalt him. This is during the maybe more overtly religious era of U2 songs. There's a, a much broader emphasis on religion and spirituality in October, whereas you know, Boy is really more about the journey from boyhood to manhood. This is a more spiritual album in a lot of ways. In 2005, when they were being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Bono said in his acceptance speech, can you imagine your second album, the difficult second album, and it's about God? <laughs> Good point. Yeah, that's a step. I, I like this song. I think it it's great live, and I think the only time I've ever heard it, I don't think I had October, but I had um, Under a Blood Red Sky. Right. It's on that live. And so it's... And it's on that. The live version's amazing. They played oh, right. it a lot. They played it a lot in the early... Then they kind of quit in the 90s, 2000s. And it started to pop back up again on their tours. I remember the song being on like the college alternative station. Sure. I, I think that's where I heard it, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I can't remember, honestly, if it was the live version or the uh, this October version. A couple notable things uh, about this song. Adam Clayton has a bass solo, which there's probably like four in the entire catalog of U2 songs. And the video right. is their second video ever. I didn't believe this when I uh, saw this fun fact on the internet, but I looked it up and it's true, folks. They're playing on a river barge and this you know, helicopter just keeps kind of circling them. Really not a great video for the effects of the video, but it's fun to watch because they look like they're 12. They're so they young. Do. And Edge it's has true. so much hair. Yeah, their videos are so bleak, the early ones, you know, they're just so gray. Yeah, that same same guy did like their first four or five videos, and you're right, they have this kind of like this sucks feel to them. Yeah, it really well, does. I mean, in all in all fairness, Ireland hardly resembles uh, what we learned from the movie Brigadoon. So <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no. We got our requisite mu- musical theater line in for the day. Yeah, probably the only one in '80s nation who's ever seen that movie, but that's fine. That's okay. I don't think I've seen it, but I'm I'm familiar with the story. I think I'm going to add this to my Christmas playlist. You could get away with that. I guess that's fair. I think so, right? Like there's there's a lot of uh, well, like you said, Latin, and that seems it's <laughs> appropriate, straight, seasonally straight appropriate. No? Yeah, straight out of the liturgy. There you go. I'm not a Catholic, but I know a little <laughs> Latin. You're going to be surprised. Like I said, the second song is also called Gloria, you guys, but it's Laura Branigan's version. Oh yeah. This is the second track and second single on Laura Branigan's 1982 debut album, which is titled Branigan. Like, where do they come up with this stuff? I don't, I'm just, <laughs> I can't figure this out. It peaked at number two in 1987, 
which means we'll be talking about it in about 10 episodes of that series. <laughs> and the song earned Brannigan a nomination for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. It lost to Melissa Manchester. You should hear how she talks about you. What? Ooh, oh, my. That's an interesting. Interesting. That's, interesting, yeah, Grammy voters. Interesting. What would you say the average age of the honor. Grammy voters was in 1982? <laughs> not young. 67. No. And, oh, Laura, you, you, you're not going to believe this, but this song also qualifies for another one of our series of shows about music because it's a cover. Mm-mm. Oh, no. Yeah. Sad. The original Sadness. was written and composed in Italian by Umberto Tozzi and Giancarlo Bigazzi. Something like that. I'm not Italian. But like, <laughs> hopefully he didn't get called Bigazzi on the playground. This was a big European hit for Tazi in 1979. The original is more of a love song, but Brannigan rewrote some of the lyrics when it was translated. It's more of a conversation to or of or at a girl that, in Laura Brannigan's words, a girl that's running too fast for her own steps. That's weird because I remember it most for the movie Flashdance. And this is the song that plays when the waitress is in the ice skating competition. Mm-hmm. And doesn't she start slipping and falling and kind of basically has a horrific oh, yeah. performance? Oh, yeah. Mm. She falls down. And, the, and then uh, Jennifer Beale's character and the other one yell, get up, Jenny. Get up. <laughs> Never surrender. So Never surrender. So, I have to say, this is a big crowd pleaser at karaoke. But whenever I go to, when, if I ever sing this in karaoke, my friends usually yell at a certain point, get up, Jenny. And then nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> That's right. Can I take an informal poll right now about, yeah, do about how we feel about Flashdance, you know, 35 years later? We've never actually covered it, I don't think, in a podcast. But do, do we like that movie now? Did we like it then? I'd like to get Jen's opinion before I speak. <laughs> My opinion is that I love that stupid movie. It's ridiculous and it's there's really not much of a plot, but Jennifer Beals is so charming and lovely and the dancing is fun and it's like five videos shoved in there. It's I love Flashdance. It's terrible and I love it. Okay, okay that is the perfect answer. I don't think there's any room for improvement. I'm going to let you answer for me, Steve. What am I going to say about this movie? You've never seen it. You're going to say you haven't seen it, yeah. I've never seen it. <laughs> you don't really need to. I'll watch it if we do it. If we do a podcast on it, I'll watch it. Because, you know, I, I provide that service to the fans, our listeners, our family. Well, maybe maybe Jen and Gail can uh, volunteer to, to co-host a, a flash dance versus, like, another like similar movie. And we can have... Oh, yeah. Do you have an idea? I proposed a couple years ago we do a dance podcast uh, episode. And you guys were not really excited about that idea, <laughs> strangely. Gee. Well, bring I it know. back to the committee. You never know. You just got, maybe you just need to yeah. re-pitch it. You need a new re- you need to right. do it. Right, I just need to re <laughs> Well, Steve hates fun. My That's girlfriend would be bad. shocked. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to appearing in Flashdance, Laura Brannigan actually lip-syncs the song on an episode of Chips called Foxtrap. She's the lead singer of some <laughs> band. It's just oh, I, I sent a couple. I put a couple clips in the show notes. I don't know if you guys watched them, but it's just you no. can tell it is the last season of Chips, and it shows, and everyone is just sick to death of it. And the guy who plays um, the lieutenant is just like, "Fine, go do your investigation. Just get out of here, so I can go back and get a donut from Craft Services." I'm so sick of this junk. <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna look for that episode because that sounds amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> 
you have to be in a certain frame of mind to go back and enjoy a large swath of 80s television because it so much of it is just you know wonderfully terrible yeah you have to be in the right frame of mind for that i i, I think that maybe why i don't do more shows on 80s television because <laughs> i'm rarely in the mood for something that's wonderfully terrible <laughs> yeah no that's true Recently, this song, I'll say one more thing about this. Recently, this song had a little of a bit of a rebirth. Uh, it became the signature victory song for the St. Louis Blues. They started using it in 2018. And when they won the Stanley Cup this year, the song re-entered the Billboard Digital Song Sales Chart. Aw, yeah. why? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> why is this their song? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I've, I read the same story yeah, about eight places. Just it's campy. And- I, they just some for some reason it got started playing and then they were they had a, a long win streak and that coincided with when they started using it so it just became uh, a thing. This is not unlike the Los Angeles Angels have the Rally Monkey, which is the dumbest thing ever. I, I'm an Angels fan and I I think it's the dumbest thing ever. They show a picture of a monkey jumping up and down and they play jump around and the stadium goes bananas. But they started doing it so the year to they speak. won the World Series. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Pun intended. The, so it's a thing now. The Tampa Bay baseball team has the same thing. They play that song, but they have a cat dressed as a DJ, so it's DJ Kitty. Oh and boy! They make its they make its paws look like they're you know spinning the records. Yeah. So trust that's me, really cute in my imagination. <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world. That's all I got on on Laura Branigan. Jen, Jen, you're up. I'm going to approach this a little bit differently. I'm going to say the artists of the song before I say the song. So this is a song with the same title by two different bands, one called Van Halen, one called the Pointer Sister. And of course, what I'm talking about is Hot for Teacher. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's jump. It is jump. Van Halen's Jump was released in December 1983. It was the first single from their mega hit album, 1984. But check this out, guys. Jump was their only number one single ever. Shut the front this door. You've got to be kidding no, me. No, it's I was surprised too. So it reached uh, number one on the US Billboard Hot 100, stayed there for five weeks, and that was it. That was their number one hit. I wow. mean, and, and well, what a hit, though. I love this song so much. And uh, as I was doing a little research about it, I realized it's that keyboard line that really sets it apart from other Van Halen songs, especially the earlier stuff that's so like bass and, and uh, guitar driven. Oh, yeah. But it's oh, that. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, don't you guys think that's one of the great beginnings of songs of this decade? I put it in my top 20. Yeah. That's not bad. There's a lot of songs. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love that beginning. And I feel like when you hear that beginning, like on in, on the radio or something in the car, you, you stay there. You just stay. I mean, you might even turn it up a little bit. You know what's coming but, and the smile comes on your face. Exactly. And you're just ready. You're ready to be washed over with just happiness and joy. So the synth line, <laughs> this, is a, this is a fun factoid. I didn't know this at all. The synth line that we're talking about was written actually in 1981 by Eddie Van Halen. And according to what I read, the other band members refused it, <laughs> which I find so funny because I'm like, they just refused it. Like, maybe they were like, we're a guitar band. We don't do this synth stuff. But then 
a producer named Ted Templeman, he asked David Lee Roth to listen to that synth line. And then, so according to the story, David Lee Roth was riding around in the back of his 1951 Mercury with his roadie driving, and he kept listening to the tune. And then as he was trying to think of lyrics for it, he remembered seeing this news story about um, the night before about a man who was going to commit suicide by jumping off of a building. Our friend Dave was inspired by that and the whole idea in his head. And so he came up with, might as well jump, go ahead and jump. And that was sort of the basis for the the rest of the lyrics. Wow. Yeah. Now, I had- nice. there's a lot of hardcore Van Halen fans who listen to the podcast. So I know there's a lot more to this story and and the backstory of Eddie and his synthesizer and how the band reacted to it. So you could, you could fill in. books. <laughs> you could fill books. With, I've, I've listened to two audio books about Van Halen, and I'm pretty sure that only scratches the surface. So, you know, obviously we're, we're, ha- we're having to uh, abbreviate a little bit. Sure. Here. But, um, yeah, it is, it is definitely one of those songs. I, I didn't know about the, the jumper. That's kind of dark, but that's so Dave. It's so yeah, Spearsonian. I mean, I think- <laughs> it's so Spearsonian. It's almost it's so a- dark that I see the light in it. But it's such a bright song, right? Like the the music itself is so like bouncy and fun. And then the rest of the, what I learned about this was that that uh, you know Dave wrote the lyrics real fast. They recorded the vocals that afternoon. They mixed it that night, and then bam, you've got their number one single of all time. Like it, it just was this. This one feels those, like a song that was sure. meant to be. You know, don't overthink it. Yeah. Just get it, lay it down. Exactly. So VH1 um, called it the fifteenth one five fifteenth greatest song of the 1980s from their 100 greatest songs list, hmm, okay. which I think is, I would put it somewhere around there for I, sure. I mean, I just said I'd put it in the top 20 of opening, so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. it definitely yeah, is and the, time and place, right? It's it's of its time, but it is, it's of its time and it's totally celebrated as opposed to some things you're like, oh yeah, okay, I don't need to ever hear that again. Right. And I think, you know, the song is so strong, it stands on its own. However, the video makes you love the band more, which makes you love the song more. At least that's my experience. I don't know if you guys remember ugh, a couple of years ago, probably now, I was talking about the uh, Burden the Bees album of Hollow Notes covers called Reinterpreting the Masters. Do you remember that? Ooh. It's great. It's great. Go back. Just go listen to it. You need to hear me tell you that. It's fantastic. But they released their second volume of Reinterpreting the Masters and it's Van Halen songs. And this is on <gasps> there. And I don't like it as much. It's not oh, as no. it's not as good. Somehow, like the Hollow Note stuff, it just sounds great. This it's too too much clever and not enough good, if you know what I mean. Like I love what they did with Hot for Teacher, but their version of Jump, it just it just doesn't work the same way. It's interesting, but it's not something you'll listen to more than a couple times. Like get, does it feel gimmicky? Yeah, like I said, it feels like they're trying to be too clever. Like they moved all the guitar solos to the piano, which is kind of interesting, but like mm, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so check that out, maybe give it one listen and then go back to the Van Halen version that you know and love. The other jump that I wanted to mention is the Pointer Sisters thinking this when I was a kid that the Pointer Sisters version because of Van Halen's jump to differentiate their jump had to put in parentheses 
for my love. Do you guys remember seeing that like on the video? I do. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I don't remember that. So no. um, this song was released in April of 1984. It was the third single from their 10th guys by this time they had made nine albums this is their 10th studio album called breakout which came out um the year before 1983 and so just really quickly some other top 10 hits on that album there's a song called automatic that you don't know what i'm talking about but if you heard it you'd be like oh yeah yeah that's an earworm that one and then neutron dance which of course was featured in beverly hills cop and then also a slightly remixed version of their 82 hit i'm so excited which we talked about at length on a previous episode of this show (laughs) And then, yeah, of course, jump, parentheses, for my love, close parentheses. <laughs> so the little tidbit I learned about this was, was kind of fun. The three sisters, quote unquote, they lay down an instrumental track for this demo. And before they even wrote the lyrics, they heard the instrumental track in the studio. And one of them, Marty Sharon, said that they were so happy with the results, they jumped up and down. And that became the lyrics. Jump. <laughs> Isn't a little that bit more joyful, joyful than the Van Halen version, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say, I would say. So it didn't make it as far, though, on the Billboard Hot 100. It w- went up to number 18 on the regular charts, but then number 25 on the um, top black singles, and then number one on the top dance singles chart. So it was around for a while. And, and if you remember that time, it was around a lot. Yeah. I felt like it was on MTV in rotation with Van Halen's jump, frankly. But yeah. They did win the uh, 1985 Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a duo or group with vocal. Nice. Yeah. Do you guys remember the video to this song? Not one bit. This is funny. I had to rewatch it because I, d- I only remembered a bit of it. But, you know, typical Pointer Sisters in the 80s, they all wear like very cute outfits and I would wear any one of them. They're kind of similar, but a little bit styled differently d- depending on who it's on. It was released before the 1984 uh, Summer Olympics. So the video has like footage of like track and field athletes and like there's a couple of basketball stars in there, Dr. J's in there, Magic Johnson's in there. And you know what they're doing. It's right there in the na- the title. <laughs> but, Sweet. Yeah. Synergy, right? It's like a highlight 1980s reel. 1980s synergy. Totally. And a music video. So are we curious what how the listeners uh, feel about these th- six songs? Are you ready? I am. I am. Never Surrender, 74% of our listeners prefer Corey Hart to only 26 for Triumph. Not surprising. No, that's, that's about how I would have picked that, yeah. For Jump, 77% prefer Van Halen over mm-hmm. the Pointer Sisters. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to lose, lose to Van Halen's Jump. That's what I say. And for Gloria, 68% prefer Laura Branigan over U2. Really? Yes. Wow. That does Isn't not that... surprise me. Really? I'm really? surprised. I was surprised. I just thought, well, I guess we bring our own biases to these things. You know, I would have gone with the yeah. U2 version, but yeah. But those that's how I, I expected them to shake out that way except for the U2 one, but that's that's just the way it goes. Okay, listeners. Yeah, well, well Brad, you know what else is- Brad, you you had said before how like Gloria is often used in like TV and and uh movies yeah. as like the time and place track. Well, it was a much more popular song. Yeah, so for there sure. You, go. you know what else is really popular this week? The Seggies. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Hey, it's time to play uh, Please, Please Tell Me Now, where someone from our uh, listener fan base writes us with a question, and we're here to answer. So this week's question is from Stony Stitt. And he writes, hey, guys, 
I'm the same age as you two. I guess he's not anticipating that Jen was going to be on the show. That's fine. Surprise! That's, and I've always been into music. The era of 1978 to the er, to the mid-80s was special, and I think it withstands my personal bias with regard to greatness in pop music. I have, over the years, thought about solo musicians and bands who started in streaked without a big letdown of delivering strong albums. The test for me is five strong albums in a row. The police and talking heads are obvious, but then there are bands and artists who skirt the periphery like uh, Devo, X, Oingo Boingo. But what defines a great five albums in a row run? Popularity, coolness, cult status, the benefit of time. Lots of room to explore here. So please, please tell me now, which bands do you personally feel had a great run of five albums in a row and what made them great? Wow. From Stony Stitt. Okay. I'll get started. This is going to be an easy one. Uh, for me, it sticks. And I'm going to go with Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight, Cornerstone, Paradise Theater, and Kilroy was here. Those are, I think, the only five albums that they did that were platinum. Hmm. So I'm going to go with them in terms of sales. But also, I owned every one of those albums. And I think you could find like 98% of their hits are, are basically on those five albums as well. That would be my pick. Jen, what about you? Well, to no one's surprise, I have chosen Prince. And the five albums, I would say, defined the 80s, at least for me. 1999, Purple Rain, Around the World in a Day, Parade, and Sign of the Times. So I just got to say the dates. 82, 84, 85, 86, 87. Jeez. Now, that was when musicians like, turned out albums every year. And there is no yeah. and, and Prince, right, right? Like he has all this extra stuff that he did in between those all of those. But yeah, I mean, there is no eighties without Prince. You know? Every album is different in its own awesome way. And he did evolve as an artist throughout all of those. I'll stop here, but I just want to say I think about the covers of every single one. When I say the name, I can see the cover. Do you feel that way about sticks? Yeah. 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 I, I could describe them. I still, I don't have them. I don't own any vinyl anymore, but yeah. Brad, what about you? Okay, I, I'm just, I'm going to give you guys a pop quiz here. Of the 10 albums that you two just named, how many of those albums do you think I owned? Zero? Probably none of mine. You might have owned Purple Rain. What, what's what's your answer? I need an answer here. That's one. One. <laughs> one. One. Purple Rain. The answer is one, but it is not Purple Rain. Was it Sticks? Paradise it's Theater. Not- it's Paradise Theater. Come on, man. Everyone uh-huh. had Paradise Theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shut yeah. up for school and like during okay, orientation. That- okay, freshman lockers are down this hall. Please pick up your copy of Paradise Theater from the table by the library. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was very much that and High Infidelity. Yeah. Were those two albums four that you had to have everywhere. Foreigner 4. <clears throat> yeah. But my choice wow. is neither Sticks nor Prince nor Foreigner. And I had a couple to go with, but... I'm giving my love here to you two, and I'm going to give you the whole run here. Boy, October, War, Unforgettable Fire, Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum, Octung Baby, and Zeropa. Oh! Why, that's more than five, Bradley. If you don't like Boy in October, you just slide it over a little bit. If you don't like Octung <laughs> Baby and Zeropa, you just slide it the other way. Uh, I know that this is, makes Steve angry when I talk about you two's albums after Unforgettable Fire, but I got to do me, people. Yeah, I, Boy October War, Unforgettable Fire, and Joshua Tree. I, th- those are five great albums. Rattle and Hum is. I know that people a, are divided on Rattle and piece Hum. Piece of excrement. Oh, you could not be more wrong. You could not be more uh, wrong. All I uh, want is you. Is not- go, 
go play All I Want Is You for your girlfriend. And you no. let me know what happens, and you're welcome. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, okay, that's... Also, Van Diemen's Land. Oh, it's so good. Mm. Okay, I know. I know it's a little divisive, and I know you know maybe it was a a strange thing for you two to do. But why I think this is a great run of albums is because I think it's great songwriting all the way through, and I love the growth. I love the evolution. I love the the fact that they they're trying things and they're they're not kind of half committing to it. They're doing it. Yeah. Just just for the record, I I don't hate. Rattle and Hum and Octone Baby and Zeropa. I, I I don't hate Madonna. I it's just that somewhere along the line I lost my connection. Well, and and, and I like to, I like really to make I like to tease you about it. I, and I know that. Yeah, yeah, but just just so people know, like I, I don't. Yeah. Save save you hate know, somewhere somewhere along the time of of Joshua Tree, I started to lose my connection, and then and then by the time Rattle and Hum came, it was just. It's, so it's it's more confusion than anything else. It's the same thing with Madonna. Somewhere along the way, I lost the connection, and that was it. And I just haven't been able to get reconnected. So, anyway, if you have a list of uh, five great albums in a run, be sure to email them to us or send us any other questions you have. The email address is podcast at sit80s.com. Ah, the mystical refrain of I want my mystery TV theme song. Actually, there's really no mystery about the, the refrain. It's it's uh, Dire Straits, but I don't know. <laughs> Am I legally required to say that? I don't know, but I just did. Uh, anyway, this is the segment where we play a snippet of a TV theme song. If you get it right, you're entered into the contest for a postal-friendly flat bottle opener with the SIT 80s logo on it. And some other goodies. I think it's the first time I actually got through that. And some other I usually goodies. throw in a couple stickers. So, you know. Speaking of stickers, I, I can't believe this. Brad sent me a photo the other day of the Fox Sports or the Fox Soccer yeah, set. Fox Sports One. And there's Parker. our buddy Alexi Lalas. And Alexi has a, a Stucky Nady sticker on his on his laptop. And you can oh. see it. It's there for the whole world to see. How cool is that? I showed it to everybody at it work. Doesn't it doesn't suck. I mean, soccer's a huge thing in Orlando, even though our team is awful. They were impressed. They don't listen to my podcast, but they, but they know who Alexi Lalas is. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the clip from the last time we did the Seggy. That's the theme song to Quantum Leap. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past. Facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home.
yes, this TV show actually qualifies. It debuted in 1989. Sweet. So there we go. Uh, only a few people got it, though. So, Brad, why don't you read the winners? Winners this week include Mr. Whiskey, Marie and Bradenton. I'm sorry, Marie and Bradenton, Christian and Duluth, <laughs> Padre Paul, Jill C. from Indiana, Maine's benevolent 80s overlord, Ron Raymond Jr., Phil from Adelaide, Carlos Hernandez, Jonathan in New Hampshire, Citizen Buck, and Dale in Portland. Jen, why don't you spin the wheel? Let's find out who wins the uh, postal-friendly bottle opener. Uh, High pitch, Jesus. Ooh, double yeah. clutch. I like I'm that. Concerned about that. <laughs> Looks like the winner is going to be Jonathan, New Hampshire. Excellent. You can use that to. Um, what do you drink up in uh, the Northeast, Jen, to stay warm in um, the winter? Craft beer. Is there, is there a particular? Everybody, liquor? everybody, everywhere okay. drinks craft beer. <laughs> Oh, well, Jonathan will have a good use for that. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's Mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. See you She's back. The Mustang Convertible is back. The convertible with a power top, glass back window, and room for four. The Mustang Convertible, the hottest news around. Because it's more than a convertible. It's a Mustang. Right, Sally? She's back. Oh, Now, Ford sponsors 11.9% financing on today's new Ford cars. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. I thought it's been a long time since the three of us have been together. It's time to play What's Your 80s Obsession? Jen, what's your 80s obsession? Well, I will tell you, this is a very happy day for me because it is my birthday. It is my happy birthday. Um, is it? Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah. Happy oh, birthday. Gosh. Thank you very much. Poor jerks. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. <laughs> as, thank you very much as we record. So what I did for my birthday was and it's not the first time um that this has happened but i went roller skating for like four hours at our uh, local rink <laughs> here in portland maine called happy wheels so i just have to say this and i and i hate to do it but they're closing so this no. is one of those yes yes so there this is one of those places that you know went up in the mid to late 70s and was super popular and has seen generations of people have birthday parties there and, you know, roller derby and all that kind of stuff. And we just found out earlier this week that they're closing in December, in the middle of December. And so impulsively, I was like, my birthday's on Saturday. I'm inviting all my friends and all their kids to come roller skating. So that's what I did. And so it was really fun just to get to see everybody out and, you know, another lap around the old rink, but I'm very sad about this. Um, I'm very happy that we got to go today and, uh, you know, my knees are killing me, but it was so much fun. And now they're closing. So I'm just going to encourage everyone in 80s Nation, if you have a roller skating rink near you, <clears throat> Steve, <laughs> go skate at it because it may not be there forever. Not unlike And that is my obsession. Yeah. yeah. Ibuprofen. Here's my 80s obsession. So lately... I've got this thing where when I'm working from home, I like to have 
like four or five computer monitors all open at the same time. And on one of them, it helps me tremendously to concentrate on my writing if I have an 80s movie from Amazon Prime playing on one of them. Because for some reason, that alone just keeps me from like – it keeps me sitting at my desk and writing instead of like wandering off to the couch and taking a nap or something like that. So this last week, I've been watching pretty much Witness on repeat over and over and over again. You so be like, careful you know, among them English. Yeah, 4 a.m., time for milking, and all that kind of stuff is just going through my head constantly. But you forget how great some of these movies are that you haven't seen in a long time. And Witness is the one that I, I'm, I'm really just jazzing for lately. So if you get a chance, if you have Amazon Prime, it's, it's available right now as one of the freebies. Steve, how do you do that? How do you, how do you write and listen to words at the same time? I have such a hard time even doing that with music with words. It works as if, if it's something you've seen enough times where you you don't have to pay attention. You know what's going to going on. Uh-huh. So it's like for some reason it just it just works. If I don't have huh. anything playing, I tend then my mind tends to wander. But like the ten percent of my mind that wants to wander is is paying attention to Harrison Ford, huh. and the, the other ninety percent is busy, you know, writing copy. So it, it for hmm. whatever reason I've been more productive. If witness is on in the background somewhere, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like you. Fascinating. Though. When I have a lot of work, like writing work, I need to do. It needs to be instrumental. Mm-hmm. No. Yo-yo ma, all the way. <laughs> no, no, no for the yo-yo. Anyway, Brad, what's your '80s obsession? I'm so glad you included this this week because I actually have one. I didn't have to dig around or make anything up. Not that I would ever falsify my '80s obsession for you, '80s nation. Oh, no, no, oh. that would be beyond the pale. My 80s obsession this week is a little something we called, back in the day, Telengard. What is he talking about? Telengard was an early kind of dungeon crawl video game. or compu- We didn't even call it a video game. It was a computer game. It was when a video game meant they made like a drawing that looked like walls out of punctuation. And your little man <laughs> was an asterisk and you moved around. Oh, my God. And I, I don't, It's starting I, to come back to me. My friend Dean and I were talking about this. We both played the hell out of this when we were in high school on the school computers, whenever we could get into the library, because we're super nerds. And I'd kind of forgotten how fun it was. And so then I started poking around like, oh, maybe someone's written like an iOS version, which that would be really bad because I wouldn't really get anything done. But someone has <laughs> done a, a Windows port. So I've spent like three nights in the last two weeks just sitting at my laptop like trying to level up my guy in Telengard. It's just a dumb game. You wander around. There's no real point. You just are kind of wandering around this dungeon. You know, you bump into monsters. You find stuff. It's just stupid. I can't even tell you it's an amazing game. But now when I play it, I think, you know, for its time, this was pretty good. But, you know, that time is 30 years ago, so maybe it should stay there. I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's a good thing Katie's gone for a couple weeks so I can grind my guy up to level 15. (laughs) Whoa. There is nothing stupid or dumb about nostalgia that makes you happy, my friend. (laughs) Hey, that's all we have for this week. If you want to nominate some songs with the same title for us to consider in a future uh, installment of this uh, series, email them to podcast at sits.com. But in the meantime, Brad, Jen, and myself will remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.